is Drew Wilson. I'm a co-pastor here at Common Table. And it's a joy to share in worship. Landon, I appreciate your honesty. Lauren, I appreciate your care. And for everyone, wherever you're coming from, we gather together. One of my favorite parts about doing Christian liturgy together, and liturgy just means the work of the people. It's the stuff we do in worship. One of my favorite parts about that is that when we gather, we lean on each other. There are things that we sing. There are things that we say where we hold each other up. And that the liturgy of the church, the liturgy of the holy community throughout the seasons, throughout the ages, holds us up as well. And so we come here and we are never alone. So what a joy to gather together in holy community. It's good to see you all. Uh, I want to start by inviting our kids to head out to kids ministry. Casey, thank you so much. Can we clap for our beloved kids for kids ministry? We love them so much. We love our kids ministry volunteers. Thank you all so much. Oh, what a beautiful sight. Not that you're leaving, just that you are you. So we love you all. All right. Well, I wonder for the folks in here, I wonder if we could start with some story sharing. We're just going to share about 30 seconds where you can turn to a neighbor and share. Um, In a moment, I'm going to ask you to share a time that your life was in the spirit of the musical Wicked, a time that your life was changed for good. A time that your life was changed for good. And just to help stir up your stories, here's one of mine. Uh, When I was 12, my life was changed for good the day that my dad brought home an old sailboat for us to fix up. Do we have a picture? Maybe. Maybe. Oh, look at that. Uh, Now, this is not actually us, but it kind of looks like us. (laughs) These are random people on the internet. Um, But it is a mob jack. That's right. It is a 17-foot mob jack right there. Uh, We had a boat like that. And What was so life-changing in a good way about this day was that, one, it meant that we were going to stop trying to play golf together. We were terrible. We were terrible, all right? Um, And it meant that instead we were going to spend time together on the water. And it changed my life for good. And to think about it, it even prepared me for the work that I do today. Because when you're sailing, you don't have a motor to go wherever you want, right? When you're sailing, you have to learn how to pay attention to something that you cannot see. And you have to learn how to work with it if you want to get anywhere. Now, that's some good preparation for faith right there. But I am a church nerd, and your story does not have to be all religious like that, okay? So here's my question for you. If you could turn to someone and just share, what is a time that your life was changed for good. Maybe it was some ice cream. Okay. Can you turn 30 seconds, turn to someone and share a story. Go for it. Okay, we're going to bring it in, team. Y'all are a beautiful crowd today. So good to see everybody here. This is great. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing your stories. 
I hope that in sharing, you were able to hear something good and also share something good, that something was stirred up in you. You know, many of us have stories of significance when we stop to think about it. Moments of meaning that really changed our lives in some way that we can look back and recognize. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And you may know the story. You may know the story of one January night in the mid-1950s when Dr. King came home exhausted from another late meeting in Montgomery, Alabama, where he was living. And the phone rang. And an angry ugly voice on the other end of the line called him a certain word and said, if you aren't out of this town in three days, we're going to blow your brains out and blow up your house. Click. Dr. King was terrified and he paced the floor of his kitchen He had studied philosophy and theology of sin and evil in college, but here he was dealing with real fear. Yeah, that's scary. Here he was dealing with real fear, and he was ready to quit. Keep in mind, he was only about 25, 24 years old at this point. And he put on a pot of coffee, and he put his head in his hands, and he prayed. He said, Oh, Lord... I am down here trying to do what is right. But Lord, I must confess that I am weak now. I'm afraid. I have nothing left. I cannot face it alone. And then he felt something, a presence, a stirring in himself, an inner voice assuring him, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. Stand up for truth, and lo, I will be with you even unto the end of the world. And he felt an inner calm that he had never experienced before. And for the first time, God was profoundly real and personal to him. No longer some metaphysical category that he found philosophically and theologically satisfying. No, God was very close to him. A living God who could turn fear into faith and never leave him alone. That's a quote from a biography by Stephen Oates. Now in the church, this is the season of epiphany, which means revealing or recognition, realization, discovery. It's a moment of eureka, which is Greek for I have found right? Light bulb goes on and we get it. That moment when something changes and we get it. The season of Epiphany started last week with the story of the star over Bethlehem, ding, right? And the magi, the wise ones coming from the east with gifts for the Christ child born at Christmas. And they brought these gifts Gold for royalty, frankincense for divinity, myrrh for anointing, for embalming the dead. Royalty, divinity, death. This is the story of Jesus. This is who Jesus is. Do you see the gifts, the star, the story illuminate 
who this child is. Ding! Epiphany. Epiphany. The wise ones then returned home by a different road than the one that they had come by. Something had changed. Something had changed. And Epiphany continues today with this story of Jesus' baptism. Lauren, thank you for reading. Jesus comes up out of the water. The heavens open. The Spirit descends like a dove. And in case we didn't get it, a voice says, Hey! This is my son whom I love. I find joy in him. You see, each story this season of Epiphany reveals just a little bit more about who this person is. All the way to the story of the transfiguration on the mountaintop when Jesus is changed in front of his friends. A cloud comes. A voice repeats, this is my son whom I love. I find joy in him. And in that story, the voice adds, listen to him. Listen to him. It's realization. It's realizing. It's epiphany. Epiphany. However, if we are honest, we may have realized something else about this story, about baptism. And that is that baptism is weird. Right? Yes? Alex, was that you? Thank you. All right. (laughs) Baptism is weird. We're reading the story just a little bit out of context, so we may not recognize that this story is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry as an adult. Point being, he hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't done a thing. Up till now, he's just been born, and the Magi have come to visit, and that's about it. And all of this heaven opening and a bird falling out of the sky is kind of happening out of nowhere. This is weird. And baptism is also weird because it appears to be some kind of conferral of power or at least an acknowledgement of importance. He hasn't done anything yet, but this is my son. This is my child. Well, forgive me if I don't just drop down and worship. Okay, show me some real credentials, Jesus. Do something special already. Until then, just getting dunked in the water and hearing voices, well, in the words of the great theologian Shania Twain, that don't impress me much. (laughs) This baptism, this baptism is not about to convince me that Jesus is the king of the world. Or to quote Dennis... From Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Supreme executive power derives from a mandate from the masses, not from some farcical aquatic ceremony. Right? Right? This is not how this works. Baptism is weird. And finally, what if I've heard that baptism is all about us making a decision to change our lives. Something is different here in Jesus' baptism. Something is different from that narrative. In Jesus, it appears that baptism is not about him changing his life, but about who he is in the first place. This is my son, the beloved. Jesus says nothing. 
Jesus makes no profession of faith. Jesus makes no statement of belief. This is just about who he is. When I was four years old, I was intimidated by a kid at church named Brad. Brad was a little older and a little bigger than I was, and when Brad would see me, he would often reach out from his wheelchair and bend my glasses off my face and put them in his mouth. His parents would gently take the glasses from him and return them, and I would wipe them off as best I could, and I'd put them on, and I'd be really upset because I could still feel Brad's saliva on my temples. But Brad was fully a part of our church. Brad loved communion. He loved to receive the bread and Welsh's grape juice. And Brad was baptized. Of course he was. As a person with cerebral palsy and severe intellectual disability, Brad was not able to express a personal decision about getting baptized. But like so many people baptized as infants, myself included, Brad was baptized because of this mystery that we see in Jesus. Before he has done anything special to deserve it, he is the beloved child of God. It's who he is in the first place. Through water and the Spirit, the deep truth is revealed. An epiphany. This is my child whom I love. I delight in him. Brad changed my life for good. I think of Brad and I think of the posture that so many of us take when we come for communion. We may cup our hands together. Not to take communion, but to receive communion. Not to take communion, but to receive communion. And that same posture of cupped hands is how we may splash water on someone in the pool or in the ocean or in the waters of baptism. Something is happening here in this lavishing. This lavishing of water. Something is happening here deeper than our decisions. Something that we may feel in our bones and even believe. That in this world there is belovedness. There's belovedness. Independent of our merit. Greater than our sin. There is this fount of loveliness. Belovedness. In the words of the Iona community in Scotland, somehow we believe in God's goodness at the heart of humanity deeper than all that is wrong. In the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, we read that the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while the Spirit of God swept over the face of the waters. And in Jesus' baptism, when Jesus came up out of the waters, we read that the Spirit of God descended like a dove and Jesus was called beloved. You see, God is up to ancient tricks and ancient truths. In the very beginning, God created the world and called it very good. 
Very good. And in this baptism, the Spirit is moving again over the waters and calling the one who emerges. Very good. Beloved. Beloved. Friends, this is the season of Epiphany. This is the season of Epiphany. And remember the Magi from the East, how the Epiphany results in them taking a different road home. Well, this epiphany story of baptism results in Jesus taking a different road as well. To put it back into context, Jesus goes immediately into the desert. He doesn't go back home. He goes into the desert, into the wilderness to face temptation and then to return to initiate his ministry with people on their basic level of belovedness. What a thing to interact with anyone just on that level of belovedness. This epiphany season, could we take a different road too? Could we take a different road? Because in baptism, God has claimed us as beloved children good to the bone. How might we let that prevenient grace change our lives for good? That goodness that comes first. Before anything else, the goodness that comes first, it's who we are in the first place. On February 5th, our plan is to celebrate some baptisms in our community of faith here at Common Table. And if you have never been baptized before, and if you're interested in learning more, please let me or Stephen know. And in the meantime, in the meantime, may every interaction with water Remind you of baptism and the belovedness that you share with all people. Whether you are bathing or washing dishes or dipping fingers in the font or even feeling saliva on your glasses, every remembrance is an epiphany. You are God's beloved child. You are God's beloved child. Oh, I wish I could look at each one of you in your eyes. You are God's beloved child. You are God's beloved child. It's who you were in the first place. Remember your baptism and be thankful. Amen.